Welcome to the Ripple Effect Martial Arts Podcast. Welcome to the Ripple Effect Martial Arts Podcast. Filling in today for Mr. Mark Brady, it is I, Mr. Robert Morant. I am filling in for Mr. Brady because we have a very special host, the man behind the podcast, the blogs, the holiday videos, and so much more. We have Mr. Mark Brady. Mr. Mark, how are you doing today? Hey, um... Let's just get right into it. We're going to start off with your martial arts history because I am very curious. Uh, how did you get started with martial arts? Did you get started yeah. with the ripple effect? So I saw the Karate Kid when I was very young and in newspapers and magazines and things like that, no internet, of course, uh, but I would see ads for Taekwondo, Karate, come study. Um, it's $10 for a class or something. And I would beg my mom, can I please, they give you a uniform, everything. And she'd be, oh, well, uh. so I went to the YMCA and it was with my parents and I went down to this room and they did, they gave me a white uniform and a white belt and I sort of, you know, somebody tied it on me and we stood around and we did different kind of karate exercises, right? The, the punches, the kicks, a little bit of stances, push-ups, things like that. And I kept going to the YMCA for about three months, pretty consistently, once or twice a week. And then they had a, a belt promotion in their way. And the instructor just went around and said, you know what, you're a yellow belt, you're an orange belt, you're a white belt with two stripes, this kind of thing. And I thought, this doesn't make any sense to me. And I kind of fell out of it. But I was fascinated with the martial arts and wanted to study them. And then you know, fast forward 30 years and I came into Ripple Effect and in Fort Collins and met Master Macy and just was hooked. I thought, I want to learn to do this. I want to become stronger and more flexible and everything. And it was a such a wonderful venue to to do that. Awesome. All right. So everybody has their own interests in martial arts. Some people like the form, some people like the sparring, some people like competing. What's your favorite aspect? I love the competition. I I really do. I, I And by that, I, I mean sparring. I think I really like getting hit, I suppose you'd say, you know, just uh, I remember when you and I were sparring back in the day in Johnstown, you know, and you clearly were like, I'm, I can deliver a kick. I can deliver a hit. I can, you know, make a combination and everything. And that really put me on my guard. I just, it, it, the feeling of getting struck a little bit is okay. really important to me uh, in the martial arts. And it, it has been throughout my training. So yeah, I really love the, the sparring. Uh, and I, of course, you know, forms, teach you so much about what's possible with your body and movement. And so I'm fascinated with them too. And when you started with Ripple Effect, you trained with, uh, starting with Miss Brady, your daughter, and then eventually Lola joined in as well, your youngest daughter. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Little Ripple's program. Um, did you guys start at the same time? No. So actually my oldest kid, started before technically before 
anybody. So I was doing the cardio kickboxing and we put our oldest kid into karate to, you know, really partake of the, all the benefits of that program. But I wasn't sold personally on joining, like earning a black belt. You know, I, I didn't, I was kind of like, well, yeah, I can really see it for my kid, but I'm not sure. And then after a year, I saw our oldest kid just advance so much and um, become so much stronger, so much more proficient and confident. And I thought, yeah, I I guess I better do this too. I I mean, I really want to try to catch up. I never did. I, you know, Eli was always ahead of me, but it was such a wonderful experience to train alongside and to, um, you know, inquire of your child, how do I do this? That was always a, a positive thing for me. And then uh, we have a lot of parents that join in after their kids. Uh, any advice to any parents on the sidelines right now that are thinking about joining? You you have to step onto the mat. You really do. It It is so worth your time and effort. I know they, this is a cliche, but you know, it's four years of college, four years of high school, four years to earn a black belt. It goes by very quickly and you don't forget any aspect of it. And it has been so meaningful to train alongside my kids and to be able to, I mean, it's, you know, it's kind of off the record, but I, you know, to be able to roughhouse basically, you know, every parent, I, I think, you know, likes that a little bit and roughhousing with your kid in a controlled way where you both understand a little bit about what's happening. That has been an enormous benefit from black belt training for me just to this day years after having earned a black belt I still kind of mess with these kids you know in a in a gentle or whatever you know you you kind of in a way that makes sense to them and makes sense to me and it's been a very powerful experience I would say to any parent who is thinking could I do this is it crazy go for it. Absolutely go for it. Great. And then uh, as a student, you probably made other connections with other students as well. Um, Adults, other kids, care to speak about that? Yeah, I formed a lot of connections. I remember after I earned my black belt, I came in the school the first time wearing that black belt. And this little boy who's, you know, who I knew from the school and his mother, he just came over and he just hugged me. And that was it. like no words. He just came over and he just hugged me. And I was like, oh man, thanks a lot, dude. It, that's cool. There's a, a level of respect that really passes along through the community. And I love that. Well, you and Mr. Olmstead, when I started, you guys were both very close to your black belt. I believe you were a high brown belt at the time. And Mr. Olmstead was a conditional black belt. And I remember as white belt seeing not only two fellow adults on the mat, um, but also to fellow adults on staff as well. Uh, you guys helped inspire me to set my goal for Black Belt. Is there anybody that helped inspire you? You know, there um people that everybody who's listening to this will probably recognize, but Master Macy, first and foremost, 
And Master Wagner, actually, I, I remember the first time I met Master Wagner was during a cardio kickboxing class at the karate school. And he was giving me just a couple of pieces of advice and they were fitness related, not martial arts specific, but I just went, how do you know this about breathing or stretching? And he said, well, I was an EMT in New York and you know, that, that was it. And I thought, wow, okay, that sounds legit. I mean, this is helping me. And ever since I'll never forget my first board break, Mr. Wagner held those boards and I had three tries to break two boards at once. And, you know, I, I just couldn't do it. And I felt defeated. The school was quiet, you know, at this point. I mean, there were 30 people there, but they were all silent. And I kind of felt on the spot, you know, like everybody's looking at me. This is, this is harsh. But what I didn't consider was that everybody's looking at Mr. Wagner too, and probably closer at him and going, what are you going to do about this? And he just told me, he said, this is your, this is your try. You do it this time. And he held those boards and I sidekicked him and broke them. And I just felt like, wow, I, I couldn't do that without you. That, that is for sure. The tutelage has been amazing. Well, we're definitely going to come back to the martial arts later, but I want to start diving into uh, other aspects of what you bring to Ripple Effect. For example, I've read before some of your writing. I've noticed that you've been published in magazines before, uh, martial arts magazines, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've had a little bit of good fortune there and did a cover story for black belt magazine some years ago cover story for martial arts success and i Kylie nation uh i've done some work uh, for and it's it's been amazing to meet martial artists that are from different styles or different backgrounds so what brought the two passions together martial arts and writing i love to write i studied English literature and creative writing in college and graduate school. And that martial arts interest came up. And I just thought, I, I really would like to explore what's happening in the martial arts. And so some of those early interviews were with, for example, Grandmaster Jeff Smith and one of his students, and just getting a background on those early days in Texas with Grandmaster June Ree. Jeff Smith wasn't reticent about sharing the details about that. And he's like, yeah, we would, there, there were no pads, there were no gloves, anything like that. And we would punch and kick each other. And that's kind of how it worked. And we learned like that. And then as that developed, as they moved the Junior Institute to DC, you know, they started, well, you know, let's reevaluate this. And what are actually are we trying to do? And that's when they started to develop the, the pads and um, some of the rules for these sparring tournaments. And if you look at any of that old footage from the, it's not that old, I guess, but, you know, from the 70s or 80s, those Junior competitions were totally incredible. Like it just mesmerizing. And I think it's so interesting to kind of get those stories. And then when I was able to interview Justin Ortiz some years back, um, a member of the 
Paul Mitchell karate team. Um, he was just so forthright about his upbringing and his dad, who was a martial artist and really saw the potential in his kid. And it was going, all right, we're going to do leg lifts. You're four years old, you know, for an hour or whatever. It, 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 that kind of development and strength building. And then Apollo Ladra, of course, I mean, it, you know, too long Ladra, he, he just is a legend and is so fortunate to be able to work with him and interview him about his background in the Philippines and everything that he experienced growing up, moving to Baltimore, studying martial arts. And then after Taekwondo training through multiple degrees of black belt, he returned to Kali and his native style of martial arts. And it's just so fascinating to me to get these stories. I'm really interested in them. You are the writer of the Ripple Effect martial arts blog. Uh, care to speak about that for a little bit? Sure. You know, I, I write the blog and the newsletter and I do the word of the month worksheets. And I also studied philosophy in college and I really have a very strong bent toward perspective on life and everything. And so that's what I really aim to bring with the blog, the newsletter, and the word of the month worksheets, among other things, is just to give, especially parents, but kids too, let's think about this. You know, what does it mean to the word of the month this month is hustle, right? And what does it mean to hustle? You know, the kids all the time, they say things like, well, I am hurrying. And the parents going, not enough, right? I mean, it's it's a difference in perspective. So try, I think karate, martial arts training really helps give kids a, a an anchored perspective on what these abstract concepts mean. Most of it really is outside of karate. So it's not, here's how to earn your black belt faster, or here's how to surpass or something like that. It's more like, the opposite, like a, here's how this training is helping you realize goals outside of karate, outside of the school, at least, and, you know, in your life. And I, I think that's fundamental. I've been really lucky that Ripple Effect has taken me on board for all of these years to, to kind of try to deliver this enthusiasm about, you know, you always say it's not punching and kicking, but that's what the blog and the, the newsletter are all about. Now, you might have already spoke a little bit of this. As an experienced writer, as a talented writer as well, do you have uh, any formal experience or I should say formal education in writing or does it all just come from experience? Both. So I had a very great English teacher when I was in high school and she would drill you on grammar and vocabulary. And all these kids hated it. And I kind of liked it. <laughs> I really liked the way that uh, syntax worked and prepositions and adverbs and which I think helped my writing a lot. And that made me want to go into further studies in writing when I was in college, which I did. And I wrote creative work in college and grad school. And then henceforth, it was just experience. So I, I 
kind of thought I was a hotshot a little bit when I got out of grad school and I moved to Washington, D.C. And I thought, well, hey, give me a job. And these people were like, what? No, I don't think so. We, you know, we have people who have written for the Washington Post for 20 years that are looking for work. And you're a recent grad, no chance. So I was really humbled um, in my, you know, mid-20s, just like, well, I guess this isn't going to be as easy as I thought. But then I just started to do the work a little bit. I started to do a little bit of writing, a little bit of writing, built up a little bit of a portfolio. And after some years, um, I was lucky enough to just kind of be recognized as someone, as a go-to to, we need this article written, or we need this interview done, or we need this um, cover letter tweaked or things like that. That's kind of how it started. And along with writing the blog, you have other things that you contribute as the creative director. One of my personal favorites is the holiday movies. Now, you put in a lot of work. How much time goes into one of your holiday projects? It's funny because it's become kind of a tradition, but it started out, the first one I did was just, all right, let's just make this up, completely make this up. And so we had the instructors at the Fort Collins school. I just said, you know, let's meet at 10 o'clock and don't worry about anything. You don't have to know any lines, anything like that, but just do what I say, basically. So I had my cameras and we, Master Macy uh, bought a Santa suit down the road at my request, which was super nice. And, but we otherwise didn't have any props, anything like that. We just went for it. And that became a little bit of the tradition. And it it takes a long time because you, you know, you miss shots, you have to redo some things, things like that. And then the editing process is you just kind of bury yourself in the basement and go over footage for dozens of hours, basically, and cut and edit it all together, somehow come up with the music and uh, apply that soundtrack and the titles and all that stuff and then it it comes out into something since we're talking about the movies we have to address the number one reoccurring character the master wagner doll how did that come about really good question so i was at a thrift store in fort collins colorado and it was around christmas time and yeah, I have two kids, you know, and they're looking at toys and things. And I'm looking at all these toys. And I went, you know what? This looks just like Master Wagner, except for the mustache and, you know, goatee. But I thought, wow, the hair and everything. Like, it's, this is perfect. So I, I, I bought that doll for a dollar. And we put a felt mustache and goatee and and gorilla glued it onto the doll uh it was just so fun yeah he's uh you know it's semi-retired but um who knows might come out of the woodwork again actually i remember do you remember the video that we did about a tournament where you came over and i really put you through the paces (laughs) what do you remember about that oh so i remember i came over i wore an old college cheerleading uniform for a man of course 
and we did a Rocky Balboa style training montage completed with drinking an egg we didn't have a giant slab of beef of course so i said <laughs> punch a raw chicken uh i remember pulling lola around in a sled it it was a really great time i always have fun working on your movie projects yeah thanks very much well you know hey we'll link to that too because anybody listening if you haven't seen it, it is an amazing performance so as a musician, how do you combine your two passions, martial arts and music? Okay. So as a musician, I'm, I'm a guitar player and uh, I sing too, but it's very tactile. I, I, I'm a guitar teacher as well. And I always tell students, y- your contact with the strings is what makes the sound. And w- with martial arts, there are two aspects to this, I guess. That kind of private, you know, if you're hitting a bag or pads or just doing forms, your motions and your impact, that's what's important. That's what is going to make, you know, an impact. And then also performance. So I think that the saying was in karate, like, um, what if you practiced soccer all the time, but you never played a game, basically? And it's what if you practice martial arts all the time, but you never compete in a tournament. And with musicians, you can practice all day long and be able to play everything that you want. But if you don't perform in front of a audience, then it's not real. The, the experience in martial arts of having to perform in a sense, you know, in front of judges, in front of an audience was extremely important. I mean, I'd been performing music for decades before, but uh, it really reinforced what it means to perform as a musician. So they absolutely do complement each other. Thank you for listening to the Ripple Effect Martial Arts Podcast. Find episodes and more at rippleeffectmartialarts.com.